Hi, my name is Ben DeVries, and welcome to another episode of A Corner of the River. I actually have a new tagline for the podcast, which I'm tempted to trot out, but I think I'll save it for the end of this episode, as that's actually going to be the subject this time around, uh, sharing a bit about myself and what I think of when I think of the name A Corner of the River. The first few episodes of this podcast have focused on Ukraine to this point, and I don't want to lose sight of Ukraine or the suffering and barbarity which continues to happen there. I hope there will be some additional episodes which focus on what's going on there or overlap with it in some way. In fact, I hope to start a series in the very near future on the problem of evil and uh, have some conversations about that with a very special guest, and more to come on that very soon. But I thought I would pause for a moment before launching into some other subjects, which was always my hope and intention for this podcast, or perhaps a larger project on the whole, and just share a bit more about myself, and more importantly, uh, the name of the podcast, A Corner of the River. Again, my name is Ben. I'm in my early 40s, and I'm married to Cheryl. We have two boys, a 13-year-old, almost 13-year-old, and a toddler, one-and-a-half-year-old, and hope to have the opportunity to share more about each of them as I go along with uh, future episodes. I grew up in Illinois and consider the very northeast corner of Illinois my home, and lived there for a few years before we actually moved, my family and I moved to the Netherlands as missionaries with an evangelical mission. We moved there when I was 11, and it was a difficult transition for me in many respects. And I actually uh, came back early uh, when I was 16 to finish high school with my dad's parents in Virginia. And that's a whole story in itself. Uh, the move there and my time there and coming back and um, again, perhaps opportunity to share more about that and other seasons of my life uh, down the road. I then went on to, after finishing high school, went on to Moody Bible Institute in Chicago and that's where I met my wife. We were in a short-lived band together and we're doing some songwriting together, had a class or two together and uh, we became good friends, though didn't start dating until after I had graduated uh, before her. And we were uh, then engaged and married uh, in 2004, so coming up on 19 or 20 years now, just about. Um, went on to seminary at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. I started there in the counseling psychology program, uh, but switched over to a Christian studies and then Christian thought program. And my final project there was actually on a Christian approach to animal welfare. And I went on to uh, create a website and a small community around that initiative called Not One Sparrow. I never thought or intended for it to be a very long-term project, uh, but it sort of fizzled out after a number of years um, 
and is now actually not online anymore, though I very much hope to uh, explore my love and uh, concern for animals at different points in these episodes. Um, I forgot to mention that I actually published a very short-lived book uh, soon after, or actually right before my wife and I were married. It was called The Delicate Fade. And once again, a whole story in itself as to the motivation and the study that went into that book. Uh, we had our first son uh, a few years, or actually a year after I graduated from seminary. And uh, soon after that, I sort of entered a creative drought, so to speak, not related to the birth of my son, but just a confluence of a number of factors and it was sort of a wilderness in a personal sense. I was working uh, part-time uh, as a janitor at our church at the time, was there for four or five years uh, in a world of impressions and experiences, a very meaningful, difficult at times, a very meaningful season in my life. And, um, but the creative work sort of fizzled out at that point. In some respects, I felt like it was uh, God intentionally sort of setting me on the shelf for a period of time, but it did drag on for uh, a decade or more until very recently. It's always been important for me in the past, whether it was the book or the Animal Welfare Initiative, Not One Sparrow, the book was The Delicate Fade. When I had a different band or artist, music artist names, ideas in college, I was doing some digital, uh, sorry, electronic music at the time and some songwriting for other projects. And I had the idea, I uh, was actually going to call uh, sort of some sort of project, I wasn't sure what, some sort of creative writing, some degree of advocacy, collective project, wanted to call it actually a bend in the river. And I noticed that there is a publication by that name, so didn't want to infringe on that and uh, eventually sort of settled on a corner of the river. And we'll be sharing more about some of the um, reasoning that went into that here. It's hard to express all that I kind of think of when I think of this uh, theme. Have to remind myself that I don't need to capture everything and have many more episodes, hopefully, to explore different facets of that. So you already hear me sort of hemming and hawing some, and uh, there will probably be some more of that. It's been a little hard to pin down here for a number of years, and now that I'm actually fleshing it out uh, in these initial episodes, uh, sometimes it still doesn't come quite easy to put words to some of this, but that's okay, I think. <laughs> At the end of 2015, my family and I actually left the church we were attending at the time, and part of that was leaving my part-time job there as a janitor. It was a hard decision for us to make in a lot of respects, and very, very hard for me to leave that building, which had become so deeply special uh, to me. Um, so not only did I have the loss of that, but uh, also the sort of accompanying challenge a few months later of stepping back into the corporate world. I did some temping for uh, a few months in a few places and then took a full-time job 
full-time corporate job and in many respects that compounded the um, sort of sense of wilderness and creative and frustration and frustration with career and calling that I had been experiencing. Um, my energy was even less than before, uh, mental especially, and I could not figure out what to do or how to do it or how to do anything, any cr mixture of creativity or ministry or advocacy in a way that um, would actually provide for my family as previous uh, projects and initiatives had not been able to do. But a couple of years into that, um, and for some reason I seemed to connect this in my mind visually with uh, walks in on nature trails, especially the part of the Des Plaines River Trail in the northeast corner of Lake County, Illinois, um, which is close to our home here in southeastern Wisconsin. Um, I just had a growing um, draw in my heart to, I guess, something you could call eternal perspective sounds grandiose and eternity itself is incredibly grandiose but that's not not really how it sort of was gradually growing on me it was it came and sort of fits and starts and more and more i realized that it was easier to sort of find and hold on to and and sort of live in when i was at that trail out in nature a very special place to me as well. And yes, there is a corner of the river there, which is one of the, the most, if not the most um, special place there that I have quite a bit of history with. Um, and I would often be there, uh, these walks after work or occasionally on the weekend, um, with things on my mind, uh, like anyone, frustrations, uh, tiredness, struggles, longings, um, wanting my life and job and calling and career to, to be more meaningful. But I would have these sort of intimations um, that there was something more to come, uh, wasn't guaranteed of anything in my immediate future there was another dimension out there and a future um, even after this life that that I could just some baby steps sort of move toward live into or just hold on to that hope that there was more to come I'm not expressing this very well and it's uh, perhaps not a very easy thing to express but I just knew it to be a comfort and um, uh, a peace that I would feel uh, despite the struggles and the questions and the frustrations. And it was also a motivation to be a better person uh, with some of the besetting sins that I've had or had, still have, that we all have in various ways. It was a one of the best motivations, if not the best, I could think of to to want to be a better person and move on from some of those things for, again, for higher purposes, higher callings. Um, 
we we are meant for eternity. Uh, the weight of glory uh, is one way that C.S. Lewis described it. A wonderful sermon that he wrote, and I had that sense myself, and it was deeply meaningful when I could sort of catch it and hold it for a few minutes or a walk on the trail. Over time, I began to keep somewhat of an eye out for verses related to this theme, such as Ecclesiastes 3.11. Uh, in the NIV, that reads, He, that is God, has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Or quotes, uh, such as a famous one by Jim Elliot, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. And then hymns and sacred songs, often the final verse of a favorite hymn, such as uh, It is well with my soul, or Be still my soul, or even Great is thy faithfulness with the line um, Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow would have uh, an expression of the hope of eternity to come. And Andre Crouch's uh, song, It Won't Be Long, uh, you know, count the years, count the months, count the days. And this place, this trail, and certain spots in it, including uh, the very special sort of bend in the river or corner of the river that I mentioned a moment ago, were at the same time just a place to to meet with God and connect more naturally than almost anywhere else. The church building where I had been a janitor had become that place for me and was that place for me for my last, gosh, three or more years there and was very difficult for me to leave. I had memories in virtually every room in that place and many of them spiritual as well. And uh, the trail and certain spots, and it became the closest thing to that, and that I could, that I had access to uh, in this new uh, uh, season of my life. And I could just stand by uh, that little nook in the river uh, under a tree, and it was just the easiest thing in the world to feel some sense of peace and feel that God was near and that we could talk. And whether a lot was said or not, it was just a place to to be there with him. And it became very, very special to me. Um, in the Celtic tradition, they call that thin spaces or thin places where God's presence and uh, the spiritual dimension and eternity just seem closer than than usual in our everyday life and that was definitely the case for me and and still is at times although it's been a while since i've gone and i need to get back there to uh the trail a little over a year ago i had uh, a gracious paternity leave from my corporate job because our second son was born in the fall of 2020 and maybe it was just 
coming to a stop after working for a few years in the corporate world and uh, just having the chance to rest and regroup. But it was, for some reason, a very emotional time for me. The simplest thing or the smallest thing um, just moved me um, and found myself crying a lot at different times, especially uh, that first month. And somewhere in the midst of that, I had the sense that my calling in life, when I had the chance to explore it and I wasn't sure how or when that would be, uh, but it was to explore my own sense of longing and loss and incompleteness and that of others. Uh, it seemed to come naturally to me to think about those things, the melancholic or sad things or incomplete things that many people shy away from. Um, they just seem to be things that I'm drawn to and can live in in a while. Uh, if there's any other Enneagram number fours out there, you can probably relate. But it's one of the more natural things in the world for me, and it's of course, a danger for me to, to dwell on those things or dwell in those places for too long. But I believe it's also, a, in some respect, a gift or a calling to, to be able to inhabit them and explore them, let them be what they are, and find try to find what God is trying to communicate through them, how he's trying to tell us more about ourselves and more about himself and more about our relationship with him. Um, and there's always that sense of eternity in the background. We have the, the loss or the struggle or even the goodness or the glimpse of beauty and good, uh, in, in the front and behind that, just this somewhat shadowy, but, um, very real sense of hope that we were meant for something more lasting. And I have reminders of that through everyday moments and things, whether it was the, the handmade fleece from a, a college friend that I was wearing a moment ago and just her thoughtfulness uh, to myself and several of the other guys in our little group of friends and something that I'm still wearing 23 years later. Or a beautiful sunset on the trail that I, that I love to walk watching our baby grow and all the, the cuteness and development that you see in the different stages um, and knowing that uh, every stage is, is wonderful that he grows into, but it means the end of the stage before and some of the, the cuteness and the beauty that went with that. Um, just laughing um, at a funny joke or funny TV show and especially when you really need to laugh. Um, I'm a huge lover of books and music and movies. And <laughs> to be honest, one of my uh, biggest um, or say parallel or sub motivations for doing a podcast like this is just the, the anticipation of being able to share uh, things that I've, that I've loved reading or watching or listening to and to have the chance to share those with others and hopefully also feature, you know, artists and uh, works that are maybe lesser known or by friends or just things that I've loved. Um, 
but the the books of the British uh, Christian author Adrian Plass have been very special for me. Um, just he has a way of kind of gripping the emotions and heartfeltness of everyday life and trying to be a Christian while navigating it. Um, the end of the last battle uh, is just perhaps one of the most explicit uh, things you could think of when you think of depicting eternity, but such a gorgeous uh, description there. Uh, I've been a huge fan of music. It's It's been a companion to me, one of my closest companions uh, ever since high school, probably. And there's too many songs to try to track down or albums or artists. But as I mentioned, I'm often drawn to sort of the melancholic uh, with a, t- a tinge of sweetness to it. Um, Christmas time is, is perfect for that type of music and those songs. I absolutely love Christmas time for a number of reasons. And one of the biggest is the music that accompanies the season. It's a time when life just seems to make the most sense to me, to be honest. Uh, some sweetness in the middle of kind of the darkness and the cold and, and you know, the imp- imperfection of life, but just this little a resort or, or cave of, of just goodness in the middle of all of that. And, you know, Christmas lights and a, and a tree sort of idea. There was a song, uh, an instrumental song uh, by John Boswell called I'll Carry You Through, which uh, was just deeply present and meaningful to me when we were leaving our rental home uh, about a year and a half ago or so. And uh, perhaps I can share that some way. Um, I'm even thought of perhaps putting a Spotify playlist together for some of the songs that come up or that have share some of the themes of the podcast. And then, of course, movies and TV shows. Um, Christopher Robin, the new live-action Disney movie, or newer uh, live-action uh, um, Disney movie, uh, just makes me tear up every time just the 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 end of sort of boyhood at the beginning of it and recapturing that as they go along and the music is is gorgeous in places as well and then there's harder things in life like the loss of of pets uh each time one of our cats has died uh, it's it's been devastating for me emotionally um and uh, just the finitude of life uh, the, that we we see in ourselves, we see in our family and friends and, and everything around us at different times, whether it's a squirrel or a possum uh, on the side of the road um, run over by a car or leaving a place that's uh, very special to you, like the church I worked at or, like I mentioned, our rental home even when going to a different place or a different church or a different home, uh, there's still the loss of the preceding place, uh, let alone, you know, the loss of, of, of health or people in our life. Like my, my grandmother on my dad's side who passed away a couple of years ago. So each of these things, um, have deep meaning in and of themselves and, and speak to me and I'm sure to you in your, your own way, uh, special things, hard things in your life. Um, and again, they have that backdrop of eternity, which I think is kind of calling to us probably different degrees of visibility or audibility, but um, something to 
be attentive to, to grow and uh, attention to myself um, and all of us, I believe. One other thing that kind of prompted uh, this particular um, version of trying to explore this calling was something that just came up um, at the beginning of the year, uh, not too far into the year when I'm actually a, uh, a big fan of uh, some of the Chicago sports scene, especially uh, the Cubs, lifelong fan of the Cubs for better and worse, and uh, also of the Bulls, Chicago Bulls, and, uh, and have been uh, an avid listener of sports radio for a number of years, Chicago sports radio. And there was a overnight host on uh, 670 The Score, one of the, the two main sports stations in Chicago. And his name was Les Grobstein and was a very sort of eccentric figure. In fact, other hosts on the, uh, the radio station would sort of tease him or make fun of him at times. He had an incredible memory for sports details and uh, Chicago sports history and otherwise, and um, had a number of quirks which would come out, um, I believe, in person and certainly on his radio show as well. Uh, but at the same time, he really fostered a connection with his audience. I, I didn't listen much myself, um, but would catch bits and pieces, uh, sometimes in recaps or when he would appear on other shows during the day. He passed away largely unexpectedly to most people. He had been suffering with sickness for some time, but passed away in mid-January mid or so. And the station had a number of tribute shows for him. And there were some of the some listeners of his show, of his overnight show, called in and just made a deep impression on me. Um, in fact, I, I was trying to track down one of the, the guys who called in. He sounded like he was about my age. He may have been a, a bit older. Uh, but I, I tracked down, saved the, had saved the, the download of that, that particular segment from the radio show, the tribute to Les and was actually tearing up again, just sort of listening to him. He shared some funny stories um, and some sports-related anecdotes to having listened to him and interacted with him off and on through calling the radio show. Um, but he, well, toward the end, he mentioned, you know, Les was he, like a warm blanket to him uh, during a very difficult season of his life and many difficult nights, he mentioned. And that really spoke to me. He, Les was a companion and a, um, um, a presence for him when apparently he was largely on his own. Um, you know, often people who are up in, during the nights, uh, unless they're, they're working an overnight job, you know, they, they may have sickness in their life or uh, anxiety on their mind or any number of things going on. And I got the sense that this gentleman was uh, someone in that general boat. And um, it just reminded me, uh, myself, how much I value audio in different formats. And it's been, again, one of my biggest, if not perhaps my, my greatest companion the last uh, two, three or more decades of my life um, through music or podcasts in recent years or audiobooks, which I'm a huge fan of, especially when the mental energy or time to just sit and focus on the printed page is, is harder to come by. 
radio shows like sports or, or otherwise. And it just occurred to me, maybe that's something worth exploring. I uh, didn't think I had the best voice for radio, as they say. <laughs> um, and I probably still don't. That's probably readily apparent to you listening if you've listened to this point. But it seemed like something uh, worth trying and something I wanted to try. Again, I was sort of hemming and hawing as to how to get that started or where the time and the energy would come from. Would I be able to sustain it? And as I mentioned in the very first episode of the podcast, it was actually the crisis in Ukraine, which sort of pushed me over the edge. Um, I had been doing some social media posting about it and thought, I, I just need to talk this out some more. This is perhaps uh, this po- starting a podcast uh, just seemed like worth doing to have that opportunity to, sh- to share what was troubling me and you know, as I, as I watched the crisis and horror unfolding in Ukraine and that's how it got started. And I've, as I mentioned earlier, have always wanted to explore a large range of subjects and themes and aspects of this eternal perspective, these thin places, and hope to continue to branch into more, more of that. In fact, the, the new so- subtitle I've sort of landed on for now for the podcast is a podcast for sharing questions and longings and finding thin spaces where eternity and God's presence seem closer. So hopefully I remember to tag that on to my very brief intro at the beginning of the coming episodes, um, but that's sort of the best way I can sum it up for now. There's always the fear, you know, that I won't be able to keep this up, sort of perfectionism that, uh, for instance, in this episode, it's been rambling on, I've been rambling on forever and probably forgot things I wanted to say or should have said and spent too much time on other things I didn't need to spend as much time on. And um, anyone who talks, uh, whether in life itself or in some sort of recorded fashion, we always have the potential to stick our foot in our mouths. But um need to just keep moving along with this as best I can and see where it leads and hope that it is a good outlet for myself and of some value to uh, some listeners here and there as well. I could probably keep going on for quite some time, uh, but there's just one more aspect of this, a corner of the river name that I wanted to share. A corner of the river doesn't really quite exist. If you look at the current profile picture uh, that I have on the Podbean site for this podcast um, or the the current Twitter profile, there is uh, a section that does come close to looking like a 90 degree angle ever so briefly. But it was actually this bend in the river which spoke to me. Uh, there aren't many 90-degree angles, if any, for for rivers. Uh, the landscape might conform to that in, in, in sort of rare cases for various rivers or streams. Um, but the water itself certainly doesn't just stay in a corner. Um, and in fact, this this place uh, along this, the, this Plains River Trail in Van Patten Woods, um, Lake County, Illinois, it had a a beautiful bank 
um, that uh, two or three years ago now, uh, most of the trees were actually chopped down from it. I think there was some sickness in the trees, uh, some disease. Um, there may have been some part of it where they were trying to get back to more of the, the prairie feel uh, for this uh, a forest preserve and nature preserve. Uh, and that was hard for me uh, to see. And it felt like in some respects, some, some of the trees along the trail and just the overall look of that bend in the river that was and still is so special to me, um, some of it was lost, to be to be honest with you. Um, parts of it still look the same. Uh, the, the, the little trees, the, the section of trees across from the bend in the river or uh, further down the other side were, were largely the same, but it, it didn't quite feel the same especially in those early months after those trees were cut down, that entire bank looked drastically different and didn't quite have that sort of, you know, closed in or peninsula feel. I don't know if that's the right word to use. But I guess that sort of speaks to this whole theme and that we we have these moments of peace or connection or reminders of eternity uh, through through beauty and and times when we connect more easily and naturally with God. But we can never live in them, can we? Um, again, Lewis has pointed to this much more poignantly and articulately than, than I can or could. But we have these intimations or reminders of beauty in eternity and moments where connecting with God is easier and more natural and more intimate in a felt way, but we don't live in them all the time. And you you try to hold on to them or reach back for them and you can't, or they're not quite the same. You can never quite recapture. You can't pull it up on demand. So in that sense, I guess the actual wording, a corner of the river um, might actually be more appropriate. Well, I'll stop for now. Thank you so much for listening to this point, if you have, uh, for listening to any of these first episodes or any to come. It really does mean a lot to me. And uh, look forward to talking to you the next time. Uh, God bless you.